Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. All right, another day here at Drop the Subject with Allie and Jarrett. And uh, yes, there is a winner and a loser here starting the show. If you were listening yesterday, the great okay, walk off of 20- Are we starting <laughs> off like this? My God. <laughs> Jesus. I, I did text my wife yesterday after we finished the guac off, and I don't even think I told her I was doing a guac off. Oh, she's so like, I, I want it. And yeah, like, all I did was say, about? I won the guac off. <laughs> and then she's, like, she was like, Yay. What does that mean? Right. And yeah, she yeah. was like, I guess I'll ask her about that when she, when she gets home. Well, I do have to say, we've had other people come into the studio since the initial voting. And started right. to sort of balance mm-hmm. out things. Mm-hmm. So while you're on your very high horse, mm-hmm. I must say, um, the scales are pretty balanced at this point with okay. votes. I don't think it matters what's happening after. Oh, the show. now it doesn't matter. I <laughs> I you're mean, very Republican when it comes to your voter suppression. There were, <laughs> there were some people who sauntered in after the show uh-huh. and gave a, oh, I like the second guac. Mention. I, I don't like how you do your shoulders when you <laughs> when you mock those people. I feel like you're discrediting their humanity. I mean, I'm even potentially injuring my sh- my shoulder by I was doing say, this, you, but it's you worth it. Probably should chill out with the shoulder movements. <laughs> you had some some kind of a lift snafu, which I always love hearing about. So okay, I you guys know I use Uber every single day, and a couple of I guess it was a couple of days ago now I got. Uh, diamond status in Uber. Oh, snap. Which you would think... What do you like, get with that? Diamond status. Well, that's what pissed me off is what I got with it. So they there's like a whole graphic that pops up. I'm like, I'm really just trying to get a ride here. Um, and so the, the thing pops up and it says, congrats on reaching the top. You've unlocked all Uber Rewards benefits. <gasps> and I thought... Cool. Oh, girl. What does that mean? You get free Smarties and water? Girl... It says your new diamond benefits. Number one, premium support. Enjoy dedicated 24-7 phone support from experienced support (laughs) agents. Because you can't talk to anyone on the phone now on Uber. It's just email. So this is the way that you can actually talk to a person on the phone if when something goes wrong. get 7,200 points with these people. Oh, the my God. The other thing, highly rated drivers get access to UberX Diamond, an extra ride option with highly rated drivers, which basically means... I've spent thousands of dollars now on Uber, and what I get is customer service. Yeah. That is whack. So basically, you are given the guarantee of getting some help when things go awry. Or I'm not going to get a crappy driver. I'm going to get an Uber Diamond driver who could still be in a crappy car or whatever. And I was heated about it. Or it could be their first week. Or it could be their first week as long as they have good ratings, right? So then I have friends that use Lyft a lot more. And so the pricing has been changed at the top of the year for both of them. So now I check both apps and I'm like, Lyft has better uh, rewards than Uber does sometimes. So I I got a Lyft um, yesterday morning and I was on my way in and I hear like his GPS is like audible, like you can hear the person talking. Sure. And it's like... Who is it, Morgan Freeman? No, it's uh, an app within the Waze app that sings the directions. (gasps) No! Yes, and it's like... Is it a woman or a man? It was like a boy band thing, and I can't remember what it's called. It's like boy bands or something like that. I think, you know what? I think I've used that before when Waze first came out. Well, and they were like, in point 10 miles, make a right. (laughs) Yes! And I was like... What just happened? And the first time it happened, I like snickered, but I didn't want to engage in conversation. So I was like, let me like. You snickered? I just, I was like, 
What is that? <laughs> but like, I didn't say it too loud because uh-huh. I didn't want to start a conversation. I was sending in stories to you guys. I didn't. I couldn't start talking. Okay. Then it happened again and again, and I was like, and they were like, make a ride. Exactly. Baby. But it's like super robotic. Yeah. Right, turn right, turn left. And mean, I'm like, what is happening right now? Do you ever think about what those voiceover sessions were like? Yes. I'm like, they were probably so long and involved. I, I mean, ha- you have to do every point. So you have to do point nine miles, turn right, turn left, all the street names. The thing that really blows my mind is how do they figure out saying street names like do they have you say different i mean you're a voiceover artist more way more than i ever have been but like i don't know like do they have you say fragments of sounds so that they can put them together See, or do i've they never done like it? robot voices or it so i mean i live in the dream i would really love to yeah i my one of my biggest uh goals as a voice artist is to be the checkout voice lady oh like for um way the... your bananas oh <laughs> I want to be that lady so bad. And I think they do. They have a list of a bunch of words. Yeah. But then they also have lists of of, of sounds. To like adjoining sounds. Yes. So that, you know, uh, if you go to a robot voice on a random website, you type in, it's usually crappy like that. Right, like you'll right, type right. in, uh, you know, Jarrett is awesome. And it'll be like, Jarrett is awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Because it's just a person going, ah, some, yeah. Oh, that's right. forever. Yeah, it sounds exhausting. Okay. But the point is, you. I mean, number one with the upgrades, you should be getting better cars. You should be getting Listen, uh, like limos at well, this then, point. Like it gives you like little incremental gifts as well, and it's like you get a free chicken Caesar salad at Corner Bakery with your purchase of. I'm like. I don't want that. No one wants to go to Corner Bakery. Well, so the other part is, I think I told you before that I, when I used to work at Starbucks as a barista, I, we would like fake like we were the voice people. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd be like, hi, and welcome to Starbucks Solano Mall drive through Your barista, and then Victoria on the other side would be like, Victoria <laughs> will be available in a moment. Yeah. It was the joy of my life. It's great. If people actually believed I was a recording. Oh, one of the best auditions I ever got was to be somebody's answering machine, like at a oh. company. It was like, you've reached Flag Mart. <laughs> Our office hours are 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. You Please are- leave a message after the tone and someone will get back to you. Why don't you toss to break as Robot Girl and let people know what's coming up in the show? Hi, you've reached Channel Q. Later in the show, we're getting to Closet Watch. <laughs> you sounded so aggressive. Well, closet Watch. Closet Watch. <laughs> Please stay tuned after the tone. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject with Allie and Jarrett. You know, I am getting a little emotional leading up to your last day tomorrow. Oh. I feel like it keeps building up and it's something that, uh, you know, like, you do, you just go about your day and you're like, la, 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 and then you're like, oh my God, this is happening tomorrow. Is it because of the guac off yesterday? Uh, I don't want to talk about the damn guac off. Oh. Can we m- please move on immediately? <laughs> 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 Jarrett, you don't like sports. Um, I wouldn't say I don't like sports, but I don't care about them as much as I used to. What do you hate more, sports or animals? I hate you. <laughs> I hate you right now for that. So... Of course, a lot of people are talking football. They're going to be talking football up until the Super Bowl. They're probably going to be talking about it after the Super Bowl. And there is an interesting query being pitched you online right now. Queer. I mean, I always work it in when I can. Um, 
where there's a group of women. I, I will say that this is happening in the UK, so it's the other kind of football, but it's <laughs> where they're like, football. I don't know. I don't know. You don't said foot and bowel. <laughs> that's just, I want to be clear about that. And now that's a sport. Yeah. Oh. Um, but they are petitioning or rallying to ban football talk from the office because they think it excludes them a little bit too much. Now, this may seem ridiculous. And it is ridiculous. Uh, But is there something to be said for the fact that, you know, if you're talking about one thing that you know excludes a person and then you continue to always talk about that thing, is there something to that? Okay, so I guess for me... Number one, I have not watched American football. Um, I've I've boycotted for the last, I think, maybe three years. But you did watch some. Uh, of the- I did. Yeah, I did yeah. turn on the 49er uh, NFC Championship game. I'm we're both Bay Area natives. Like I grew up on the 49ers, so I turned it on. I was half watching it, but I, it was on the whole time. I think the I think the whole game was on, or I think I maybe came in like the end of the first quarter or something. Um, I when I did care more about football, I tended to care more about football when the games were like high stakes games rather than just regular season. Regular games. season yeah. stuff I didn't really care about yeah. as much, but like late in the playoffs I was like, "Oh my god, this is exciting." So like knowing that the Super Bowl isn't this coming is uh, almost here and that, you know, Jennifer Lopez and Shakira, shout out to them. But also like it's exciting that our home team is in there. So I could see myself talking a lot about football. Now the weird thing to me is this idea that it's like exclusionary because anything you have a conversation about that people don't know about would seemingly be exclusionary. Be exclusionary right. Like we're having in-depth conversations about guacamole. <laughs> and what if there's somebody out there who's allergic to avocados? Or doesn't like guacamole. Yeah. And so they're going to say, oh, now I'm, I feel excluded from this conversation. Now, I also always come to these conversations recognizing like the pr- place of privilege, right? Like... I'm a guy. I'm also a homosexual. I'm not like a sports person, and I'm I'm trying to like put myself in the shoes of the person who's complain the complainant the complaint complainant complainant complain complainer complainer right. sounds disparaging. The person who is complaining in this uh-huh. in this instance, but I don't think I can get there for this one. Well, I just don't think like. I think that we're in such a mindset now where we need to be creating a safe space for everybody at all times. Right. Then it's making some people feel like they are entitled to that safe space in every moment of every day. Yeah. And if they're made to feel uncomfortable or made to feel excluded, then they're like, down with the patriarchy. Yeah. You're all, you're excluding us for a re-. Like, yes, I'm, I'm a woman who does enjoy football. I didn't used to. I was never into it until I met my wife. Their family's been super into it since the 60s. Through osmosis, I became interested in it. Also, Kevin has converted me a little bit, and and the gambling side of me does enjoy uh, football. But So I'm not, I guess, one of the women that would be complaining in this scenario. Right. That doesn't mean that you can't involve yourself in any conversation that doesn't involve you or doesn't uh, it isn't relevant to you from the beginning. So, for example, if I'm walking up to a group of of guys that are talking about uh, cars, for mm-hmm. example, and they're like, "Oh my God, radiators!" Am I right? Am I right? I can walk away and be like, "They're excluding me. I don't know anything about cars." Or I can walk up and be like, "What's a radiator?" Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, like, what exactly are they asking for in this instance? Are they trying to, like, make it so that you can't talk about football yes, in the workplace? Because like, that's, exactly, that's ridiculous. Yes, they are. Uh, they're a group that is talking about, they're trying to ban 
football talk in the workplace. That's what they're trying to do. Like, uh, and I'm going to be suspended or fined if I talk about football? Like, come on. Well, it says, and this is according to a BBC article, a lot of women in particular feel left out. They don't follow those sports and they don't like either being forced to talk about it or them... Or, uh, about them or not being included. Uh, somebody said, I have nothing against sports enthusiasts, but the issue is that many people aren't fans and they feel that it's exclusionary, so they would like to exclude that talk from the office space. I just, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there are plenty of things that women have conversations about that men don't, wouldn't feel included in. And like, I know that when we look at oppression, it's like all things are not equal. So it's not like, oh, well, what if we flipped it around? But like, I just, I can't get there for you guys on this one. So what if me and Shira and Michaela and, uh, you know, all the women who uh, work for this station and in the building in general uh, on any given day are always talking tampons, you know? Uh, yeah. So then there's, so a man might walk by and be like, all right, I don't want to hear about this in the workplace. This is bothering me. It's I so can't gross. relate to it. Yeah, it's so gross or whatever. Uh, that's another example of like, well, too bad. We're going to talk about... There's actually not a lot of things that you can talk about in an office space, by the way. Yeah, there's I mean, a lot of things that are off limits. Right. Like, you're not going to talk about your sex life. There's not going to be a lot of personal things. It's very on-the-surface conversation. That's why there's break room conversation. There are only a few things that are safe, and football's one of them. So don't take anything away. I'm sorry, you got really passionate about that there. I oh. want to talk about tampons. You women are so emotional. <laughs> Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject with Jarrett and Allie and uh, T-minus two more days with Jarrett. I'm very sad to see you go. but I just saw like the NASA clock in my head. You said T-minus. T-minus. Did yeah. you see a woman in a bikini with a flag? That's what they do, I think, don't uh, they? You, you would want that more than me. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you, you go to an arcade and you have those like race car games and you're like, are we still doing this with the busty bikinis? still happening, huh? We're not changing. All right. Harvey Weinstein didn't ruin this for everybody. But then once you're like next to somebody and they're like, three, two, you're like, forget it. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up, we're going to be giving you an update on the gay draft of 2020. An athlete has come out of the closet. Is it somebody that was on our draft list? We will get to that. But first, crazy impeachment stop. Yes, I think it is time that we get into a little bit of crazy impeachment stuff. Here is some crazy impeachment stuff. A lot of the impeachment stuff is rather loco, otherwise known as crazy. Here is some crazy impeachment stuff. I love that you, you went for the Spanish with I us. I did. I think that See. was a shout out to the guac. <laughs> um, okay, so just... No more shout outs. Exactly. Yesterday I told you all that uh, the senators... In the impeachment trial were beginning to ask questions. And the unusual thing about it was that they had to submit written questions, um, probably written by their staffers. Let's just be honest. I know, because the handwriting, Ooh, it's Jesus. so serial killer. Yeah, some of that handwriting. When we talked last week about them amending um, one of the, the resolutions or something. It was What's like, in Breachmont? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, well, last night, actually, Senator Paul had, uh, Rand Paul, um, had a question that was actually rejected, which I don't think that happened a whole lot. Um, According to CNN, they say a, a question GOP Senator Rand Paul um, requested hasn't been allowed um, uh, because uh, Chief Justice John Roberts essentially said no to reading it. Um, it's not clear how this is going to be resolved at the moment, um, but I, I don't it was just kind of crazy to see a question being like rejected. So, so, but what was the question? They say that um, they, they took some time to talk about it during like their dinner break, but they don't know. They didn't say what the question oh, I see. was. Okay. Um, okay. Um, they also 
we're not really clear on how much longer this impeachment trial is going to go. Um, it could seemingly wrap up on Friday if there are no witnesses, because there's not a whole lot more to do. But the witness question still looms, as we said back mm-hmm. on Wednesday. Um, you know, Mitch McConnell doesn't believe he has the votes. Um, Lawrence O'Donnell, who used to work in the Senate, he's uh, an MSNBC host now. He said he believes that Mitch McConnell was doing that strategically. Mitch McConnell doesn't make moves without a plan. And he believes that, you know, he's trying that Mitch McConnell is trying to get conservative hosts and conservative voters to really start, you know, beating on their their constituents. Uh, so that's why he keeps electors. saying we don't have the I don't know. I don't know if we have exactly. the votes. Yeah. He's doing that like stupid ex-girlfriend thing. Yeah. You're like, yeah, it's <laughs> just like that? I feel so lonely, but like I don't want to be with you or with you know, you're like kind of side you're like making comments that you know you're making only to get a certain reaction. You want the certain reaction? Absolutely. Yeah. Like Donald Trump, for instance, yesterday said that he watched, quote, a bit of <laughs> the Senate trial. Oh. I love that he always acts like he's not watching with, A, we all know that he is because he's tweeting about it and like popping off about it. But two, like, you're an idiot to not be paying attention. Like, you might be getting impeached and you're not paying attention. Um, well, removed they, from office. He has been impeached. Yeah. I mean, well, yes, exactly. Yeah. He might be um, convicted and removed from office. Um, they say, uh, and CNN, uh, President Trump believes his lawyers were, quote, great today in the question and answer phase of the impeachment trial. Um, this was from yesterday's account. They say Trump watched, quote, for a bit, according to the official in the White House. Meanwhile, the president has been active on Twitter. Um, <laughs> yesterday, he tweeted a video of his former national security advisor, John Bolton, which is something I wanted to talk about yesterday, actually. Um, the the White House is kind of threatening John Bolton about pr- publishing this book. And we've, we've heard a lot of conversation about how um, he's been intimidating witnesses and how that tends to, you know, also be illegal. Like witness tampering and witness intimidation. That is a violation of law. Yeah. And it's also their jam. It is totally their they jam. They really love doing that. I mean, I knew when John Bolton you know, when that manuscript came out, I was like, man, he's really going to get it from a lot of people. And yeah. and Rudy Giuliani said something like, oh, he's a backstabber. It's like, And it's like, what? but you're still kind of admitting guilt yeah. by doing that. Like, all of their defense is like, well, yeah, but like they sh- they shouldn't have said all that. And well, it's, and like, it's like, but they, but all so that you're saying all that's true, right? Like, you've not your denied first it. Reaction be none of that's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, ac- apparently Donald Trump tweeted a video of his former national security advisor John Bolton describing the calls between Trump and Ukrainian um, President Zelensky as quote warm and cordial. Along with the video, Trump tweeted "game over," which proves literally nothing it mm-hmm. says that they had a call that was warm and cordial but it doesn't he wouldn't that have means all, nothing right? exactly like yeah. we all read the call yeah it was very cordial you guys were all over each other like we were like get a room Ugh, yeah, um, i think cordial in his mind means something different it probably does that's true the video was uh, referenced on the senate floor yesterday by trump's legal team um prior to the president tweeting and so it's just kind of it's frustrating and i feel like so many of us feel like we know how this is going to end, but we really don't. Like anything could mm-hmm. happen. Um, we've talked. We've countless times talked about the unknowns of this impeachment, and like they continue to pop up. Um, and so we will continue to kind of see how things evolve here. Obviously, um, the Senate is you know continuing on with impeachment, but tomorrow could maybe be the last day of the trial if they don't go forward. Well, I mean. I hate to say it, but I think Trump Free Fridays has gone out the window at this point. Oh, girl. Because we <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We were like, all right, we're going to do Trump Free Fridays. And now, like, because this happened. is happening, we really... He might be completely exonerated tomorrow. We have no idea. Well, he might be found not guilty. <laughs> you know, well, okay. like, yeah. But he'll say... 
Now this completely proves, just like you did with the Mueller report. Absolutely. No collusion, obviously. And that did say that he had done I've things been, wrong. Yeah, I've been exonerated. And you're like, mm. Another Another fun fact from uh, yesterday, there was all this hubbub from uh, Senator Ted Cruz saying that Lev Parnas had been like ejected from the Senate gallery above the Senate like watching. Uh-huh. Um, and I love CNN. They're like, facts first. Um, Parnas lawyer, Parnas's lawyer, Joseph Bondi, said that this didn't happen because Parnas, who's wearing a court-mandated GPS monitoring ankle, never uh-huh. tried to enter the Senate gallery, which prohibits electronics. People in the gallery <laughs> also said they did not witness Parnas being ejected. Like They're just trying to like b- build up stories that are ridiculous, but... Well, yeah, when you're a guilty person, you're like, look at that guilty person! Yeah. And we'll say that you can run away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we'll take a quick break. We got, When we come back, um, we are going to get into this gay draft because I want to know if it's someone on my list or someone that you scandalously stole from me. It's fine. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Okay, drop the subject with Allie and Jarrett. And, uh, you know, I hope and I pray that even though... You will not be on Drop the Subject regularly after the end of this week. You will continue to call in and follow the gay draft of 2020. Oh, I'm never talking to the show again. No. <laughs> no, <laughs> if I you. absolutely if I win some gay draft people, you will know about okay, it. Okay, I want you to if if like I, I can't let let me hold on. Let me look up like who your people were. My gay draft was um well, you know, our gay draft is in dispute, to be honest okay, with you. It's because no, no, it's actually I not chose Aquafina and you decided to come along and steal Aquafina, Bef- which because I you don't had already, think was fair. But you made your choice already. I don't you, think you, that's what happened. You chose Shia LaBeouf. Is this is this because of the guac? Is this because <laughs> Stop of, bringing up the I'm guac. I'm just, just saying. Like, uh, I think it's the guac. Lizzo, the Blues Clues guy, Luke Perry, that oh, was your dead person guy. that you think is going to come out uh, post-mortem. And then your wild card was Cristiano Ronaldo, a football player, right? And Aquafina. A soccer player. Right. And uh, then no, Aquafina. not Aquafina. Okay. So we we like to do closet watch on the show because right. anytime somebody comes out of the closet, um, you know, we, we like to make sure that it wasn't somebody that we did draft in the gay draft. And an athlete has come out of the closet. This is Closet Watch. Closet. Okay. So aggressive. So, I mean, you got to up the stakes. Yeah. So it was not Cristiano Ronaldo, I'm sorry to say. Let down. But, and I never hear about people coming out in hockey, but pro ice hockey player Zach Sullivan has come out as bisexual. Okay. Bisexual. His name is Jack Sullivan? Zach. Zach Sullivan. Zach Sullivan. Here, I'm going to show you a picture of him. I mean... This is him. Okay. And uh, do you watch hockey? Do you like hockey players? Because if I was a straight gal, I think hockey players would be like the sport that I would go for, for guys. Like they Um, have good bodies. They are very built. I know there's the whole missing teeth issue. But usually they've got... It's a got, small thing. They're, they're like pretty ripped, you know, I if you like muscles. don't know what a hockey body looks like. They, they're, oh, Google it. They're uh, hockey player bodies. Yeah, go. it's true. Um, cut to like a serial killer story or something coming up. <laughs> hockey player bodies. I The uh, thing bodies is... Bodies of seven hockey exactly. players have been... Um, well, the thing is, like, I... Those hockey players wear such baggy uh Yeah, they wear a lot jerseys. of gear, like, yeah, so you can't really know? tell. Uh, so body this, characteristics of hockey players. There's literally an article on this. Yes, there is of course because there they're are. like the hidden gem. 
Who knew? Uh, I mean, there's just never any black people in soccer. I mean, I mean, soccer and hockey. That's true. There aren't a lot of black hockey players. Yeah, not really. Yeah. Top uh, 15 most jacked NHLers. I'm listening. <laughs> All right. Well, you you watch while I read. The first one's a black guy. Who knew? Go on. Sorry. Oh, really? Okay. So Zach Sullivan tweeted out uh, hashtag Pride Pride Weekend because you know a lot of these hockey teams and in baseball too, in a lot of places they'll do like a Pride game, mm-hmm. and so it was their Pride Weekend. And uh, he, so he put on his Twitter, with being the first ever EIHL hashtag Pride Weekend, oh, this being the first. Okay, so this was the first. I feel now is the best time to speak out about what I've known for many years. I've battled with mental health problems over this issue, and with the support, understanding, and acceptance from my family, friends, and teammates, I finally feel ready to say I'm bisexual. I have never been more proud to wear a jersey before, especially one that celebrates all gender identities and sexualities. And then they've got a little picture of them in their like rainbow hockey gear. Oh, they're so Isn't that adorbs? That's adorbs. I've been completely wrapped up in the 15 most jacked NHL players. Mm-hmm. Well, How y'all doing? Yes, uh, that's what I'm saying. There's a guy named Jared on this list. <laughs> With one T, but you know he's not ugly. But jacked. He's pretty jacked. So, hey, Jared Stahl. What is the likelihood that Zach Sullivan is a hundred percent gay? I mean, <laughs> you you know, <laughs> I don't want to like play into the stigma that all bisexual men are just saying. I was gonna say bisexual people do have the stigma of like people. Everyone always thinking that they're kind of gay, that they're actually gay. Yes. But I mean, to be fair, being claiming bisexuality is like the diet way of coming out. I For do some be- people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I do believe that there are plenty of people out there that are actually bisexual, that like both sexes. But, you know, you always kind of wonder. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, this- well, when you're playing with sticks. You know what? Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject with Jaren Alley is back. Now, we told you that we were going to talk today about this article, how to ask your partner how many people they've slept with. Have you, first of all, have you ever asked that question to anybody you've dated? I don't remember ever asking this question. Me neither. It's something that I don't think I even want to know. And not even like a cringy kind of thing, but it's something that has never even really crossed my mind to care about. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that Katie and I talked about it at one point just because I was like, all right, well, I'm going to marry you. So like yeah. how many, what number am I? Yeah. Uh, what notch am I on your bedpost? Um, but I've always known that I'm the first woman that Katie was ever with. Right. So I know that if we're doing, and I don't know if you have separate numbers, I have separate numbers. I have numbers of men and then, then the number of women. Well, there's only one number. For you. Yeah, because, <laughs> well, one of those numbers is zero, and one of those numbers <laughs> is, is. I have no idea. I know. I don't really know. I think I have counted one time. And I can't even tell you what it was, um, but it was not a lot. Uh, and I was like, huh, I wonder if this is a lot or like once you figure it out, you're like, is this more or less than other people? And I think for the most part, for me, it's less than what a lot of my friends numbers are. I mean, I have no idea because I've never really kept count. But like, I know it's not a low number. <laughs> Like, I know it's not single digits. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, because, yeah. like, there's also, like, I mean. Is it is it three digits? I genuinely don't know, but I don't think it could possibly be three. Okay. But I guess it, no, it couldn't could be, it be three. I, you think you could really maybe be in three digits? I don't think so. I don't. The idea that it's, like, three digits, I'm like, I just can't 
that could not be possible. That sounds exhausting if it's three digits. First of all, let me tell you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, because I, I, like, in gay male culture, there's, like, plenty of hookups, right? Like, there's where a you lot never of triple digiters out there, I'm exactly. sure. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm just, like, between, like, grinder hookups over yeah. the course of the years, like, my grinder hookups have definitely slowed down, but I'm like, <laughs> there are plenty of people who I hooked up with one time, never saw again, right. and probably wouldn't recognize if I passed them in the grocery store <laughs> at this point. Like, let's just be honest. In 2005, I hooked up with you on Grinder from one day in Atlanta. Like, I don't right. know. <laughs> so, like, that's I why I love to do a Jarrett reunion. Of oh my God, can like, you imagine? Hey, I'm um, bar back from Atlanta, and I'd be like, I don't know you. And you'd be like, I don't know you. So let's just do it again. I'm like, oh, you're a gargoyle. I hooked up with you. <laughs> like, realistically, I would probably recognize every person I've hooked up with. But like, I, if someone came out of the woodwork and was like, uh, you hooked up with me back at such and such time, and I'd be like. Girl, please. Like, I know uh, I didn't hook up with you. Man, I know there are plenty of people that I've met before that I don't remember, but I would feel embarrassed if they were like, no, we slept together. And I'd be like, oh, wow, that's blatantly obvious that I don't give a crap about well, you. Well, I was going to say, it'd, it'd be more embarrassing for them than it is for you. R- like, I guess so. I don't so. even remember you. I guess so. But, but I don't, this isn't something I think I've ever cared to know about, I guess. Like, because, like, this article from HuffPost that says how to, how to ask your partner how many people they've slept with. Uh, I'm less interested in how to ask them that because, like, the beginning of the article says, part of the fun of having a new sex partner is learning their sexual history and divulging yours, too. I'm like, is it? Is that part of the fun? That's Brittany Wong? Fun. Exactly. Like, writer what are you of this article? talking about? Um, one of the things they say in here to do, though, they say, first, consider why you want to know and why the number feels important to you if it does. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't know, like... I, I don't know why, well, why I'd want to know. I you guess, said you asked. Uh, I I think I asked Katie because she, I guess I just wanted to know what her history was with guys. Yeah. I thought that was the reason. Right. It wasn't like, oh my God, you're such a slut. I can never date you. Like I was already in it for the long haul. Right. So it but now what if she had come back and said, do like, you really want to know? 126. It's 2247. <laughs> Oh, and I'm the only <laughs> girl, huh? And you're like... That would actually make me feel pretty effing good about myself. Really? Yeah, because I'd be like, you stopped at 2,247 because you met me. What if she was like, no, no I didn't, I didn't. stop at 2,247. <laughs> you're just number 2,248. Oh, I see. She's like, my number's 3,000 uh, right now. No, I guess um, the would only reason... Would it have reason- changed something for you? No, like- I don't think it would have changed. I, th- I think that her life before she met me was completely different. Yeah. She had a completely different lifestyle. She cared about different things because she was trying to be somebody she wasn't. Mm. So that part of her past, though interesting, doesn't really matter that much because it has nothing to do with her life now. I guess because both of us are on the same side of the coin, I'd be curious if there was someone who was like, oh, my God, I need to know how many people you've slept with before. Because also I'm thinking about remember uh, on The Bachelor, there was a story that was in the news last last cycle. I didn't watch the show, but about the lesbians. The No, no, no. About the girl named I think her name was Hannah. And one of the guys like one maybe like her final five or something came up to her and was saying, like, I need to know if you've slept with anyone else here, you know, because if you have, it's not OK with me. And she was like. A, it's none of your business, uh-huh. and B, you can kick rocks. And then he came <laughs> back and was like, after he left, like she kicked him out, and then he came back like, I'm really sorry. And she was like, uh-uh. No, that ain't how this... Bye. Exactly. Yeah, I think when it does not work is when you're saying it as like an ultimatum or an attacking type of way. Yeah. Like, who have you slept... Because that just... 
comes off as jealous immediately, especially when I don't think it's ever a good idea to ask this question immediately yeah. to anybody. Yeah. To be like, okay, it's date number two. How many people have you slept with? And it's um, like, excuse uh, me? all right. Um, but then if anybody you were dating, say, for example, you got to talking about the number just out of random conversation, and then he said, yeah, I, uh, I have actually slept with 2,000 women. Would that bother you? Oh, and I was the first guy? Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, it you... would make me less inclined to be in a relationship, I think. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Because, like, new gay guys, I don't know how it is with women, because, um, you know, you women love to convert someone and keep them forever. <laughs> love it. Um, but new gay guys... I, I actually had a new... Oh, I've had this actually happen. You've had a new gay? I had an ex, an, an, an ex where I was the first guy he'd ever hooked up with um, that he ever had, like, like slept with. He, mm-hmm. like, halfway hooked up with someone else. Yeah. But, like, I knew that I was going to be, like, his starter boyfriend. And I didn't want to be the starter boyfriend. He was like, no, I love you and blah, 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 and all this crap. And, like, sure enough, I was, like, his starter boyfriend. Like, once he was out, then, like, you're much more free to go, like, live. And, like, I don't I don't know that for guys. Uh, again, I think it's different for women. But for guys, I don't think you should, like, be with the person that you're with first. Because, like, you get no exploration of, like, what you want, what you like, how yeah, you Yeah, I know. Feel. I do think about that sometimes with my relationship. Yeah. Like, didn't you want to, like, try? a couple more well, that's why you guys have threesomes every week oh sure we gotta go <laughs> drop the subject the new channel q welcome back to drop the subject so emmy found this interesting story with a headline that i kind of wasn't taking that seriously and the more i started to think about it I'm, I'm more and more fascinated by it um this is about why men grow their beards out yeah so it's uh, well the title of the article is why famous dudes grow beards to deal with existential crises and then the subheadline is a beard is rarely a beard and uh i mean of course it's really just a beard is rarely just a beard yeah yeah and it's an interesting concept they bring up a few different examples in this article the first one that they list is beto o'rourke they say it's very interesting that he dropped out of the race on november 1st and here he is a december 17th picture from last year equipped with a large coffee and a charcoal neck beard. I'm trying to look him up on on the social media. Because, like, you remember I was saying that uh, Beto O'Rourke was the only presidential candidate that I thought was like, oh, he's kind of hot. Yeah, he's cute. Yeah, he's not he's not ugly. They also reference Ted Cruz. They say he did something similar in the years after the end of his 2016 presidential campaign. And uh, now he kind of looks, they said now he kind of looks a little bit like a discharge general in the Sherman Jesus. Civil War campaign. Ted Cruz growing a beard. I remember I see him all, all the time around the Senate. Like I'm walking around the Senate. Like every time they show him in the Senate, and <laughs> I'm just hang like, out at the Senate. I I know that he thinks he's like this hot new guy with a beard, and it's like, shut up, go away. Another another example that they use is David Letterman. When he mm. retired, he has been doing nothing but growing My a giant God. Santa Claus beard. That beard needs. And Ooh. as someone who kind of has a beard, I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about you. <laughs> I was like, you are so determined to have a beard. Okay, I see what you're doing No, here. I will say I do want I do want to have a beard, but I'm directing this at you. What Do you think that there's a correlation here about how you feel based on how long or short you choose to have your facial hair? Um, I mean, the honest to God's truth is, one, that my... I have a beard for two reasons. One, because I was not able to grow when I was younger, and like it's now able to grow in in a fuller way than it ever was before. Same, <laughs> same. Um, but two, like I've gained weight, and so I feel like it helps define my face a little bit more. Totally. Yeah. 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 yeah that's a definitely. That's something. So, 
I am jealous of men for this reason. I mean, of course, I could be jealous of like many other things with men. But, no comment. <laughs> you know, the. the nope. Don't even. Right. Don't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me count the ways. No, but. I always said if I was a dude, I would do all kinds of fun stuff with my facial hair. Mm -hmm. I really like how changeable it is, Mm -hmm. which I've always liked to change my hair, which takes a little while longer to grow and to change and to maintain or whatever. But if I were to have a beard, I could grow it out and then I could do like mutton chops, then I could do like handlebar and then I could do goatee and then I could like write people's names that I'm dating. Like you could do all kinds of stuff with a beard. And also name that you're dating. There's an idea for you. Or. Just the fact that I have a little bit of a weak chin, and I would like to have a beard to have a more prominent chin. I, I'm i fascinated by this because I obviously have been in news for a long time, and most you you very rarely ever see a news anchor with a beard, like a male news anchor with a beard. Well, I was thinking about presidential candidates, too. Like, does Ed, exactly. do any of them have beards? Well, so, like, there's this idea that... Um, it's more you're it's less threatening to not have a beard that it's like you're more, not hiding anything um maybe that i don't know what it is but like it's a it's a very um appeal to middle america kind of thing like for instance when i uh years and years ago i had a friend who was a former uh, host on qvc and he was telling me that i should go out for a, one of those jobs they're always looking for new hosts or whatever and he told me like um but you're going to have to take those earrings out and mm. i was like what i've worn stud earrings yeah. since I think ninth grade. I think I got my ears pierced spring um, spring break of ninth grade or something oh, like that. We're both so gay. I don't even have my ears pierced. Really? No, not anymore. I'd never wear them. So oh, it's just gotcha. funny that you have had your ears pierced since you were a kid yeah. and you've always had studs. And I have had my ears pierced multiple times. Never wear earrings. To the never point dated where a stud. I wear... Um, <laughs> see what I did there? Um, <laughs> but like I... Um, I he told me that, and like when I started in television uh, for news, they were like, "You're not going to be able to grow out your beard, or you should keep that trim, or something like that." And so when I actually got on the air, I did everything I could to like maintain how as much of myself as I could. So I kept my earrings in, and I would like grow my beard out a little bit to see what see if anyone would ever tell me that I couldn't, and they never did because I was always like in the I was a digital reporter guy, mm. so they wanted me to look different and nerdy and like, oh, maybe you could wear bow ties. I was like, calm down, but. Like beards are a thing, um, especially like in television and media. And I can imagine that translating to political candidates like a better O'Rourke and them thinking like him having a clean shaven look is more appealing um, to to voters. Yeah, because I'm trying to think now of any male newscasters that have beards. And even late night, like the only one I can think of is Kimmel. Yeah, like Kimmel grew out a beard and it actually looks really good on him. It looks great on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I mean, generally speaking, you don't see a lot of news and media personalities with beards. And it's a weird thing that I don't think people notice until you bring it up. Right. But it's it's definitely a thing. So then when you grow a beard, like in these examples with uh, with uh, Beto O'Rourke and David Letterman and and the rest... Do you think that the growing the beard is kind of a symbol of like, all right, I just don't care anymore? Yeah, it's a freedom thing. I don't think it's necessarily I don't care so much as it is I'm a little bit more free to do what I want. Um, I mean, 
everyone knows that I'm leaving the show, right? And like, I'm up for a, a, potentially taking a big news job. We'll see. Um, but like, me having a beard has been a question. Me growing my hair out yeah. um, into like these short locks that they're in right now, like that's been a question. Like in media, it is always a conversation about right. like how you're presenting yourself, right? And like, I think also part of it is like, if, if you have, you've probably never asked yourself like, why are newscasters always wearing suits, right? Why do they always have on a blazer or something? Generally, it's about always looking the same and not becoming a distraction. If I had on a graphic T-shirt that said, you know, mm. uh, it was it was the cast of Clueless, or you know, my favorite um, my favorite new shirt is a black T-shirt I have that says a black woman created this, and I'm gonna I'm doing like right. Mother's so Day if photos. you were wearing that, they'd the be focus more on your shirt than on what you're exactly. saying. Exactly, it's a distraction. Huh. It, it becomes more of the conversation than it's supposed to be. But then with women, they have to show their cleavage so that they can distract from their dumb phases. Well, even <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if you think about that specifically, like um, in Latin American countries and like uh, in like Miami or something like that, in certain cities, like the weather women are always like wearing bodycon dresses that show off their, yeah, their shape. Their figure. They're always showing their ass. Like, yes. It, here in L.A., like um, it like, is work to show up and do the weather. It is. Well, like here in L.A., the the female news, uh, the weather uh, personalities or meteorologists, like their shots are wide and you can see their shoes and that kind of yeah. thing. They're high heels and so like all of that kind of appearance stuff has something to do with that conversation huh well i'm gonna stop shaving (laughs) oh wait i already have drop the subject the new channel q drop the subject is back and uh it is time for news that are lose it ali you've got three headlines i've got three votes let's do it all right headline number one your kid is right homework is pointless (laughs) here's what you should do instead oh really Mm -hmm. um yes Ah, all right. Headline number two. Surgical masks are selling out nationwide after oh, the outbreak God. of the coronavirus. People, I feel like all the information that we really need is, mm-hmm. is in that headline. So yeah. lose it. Get a surgical ah. mask. All right. Good luck. And then finally, headline number three. Kids eat healthier watching these cooking shows, um, according to a new study. That actually makes a lot of sense. Uh, yes. News it. All right. Those stories when we get back. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the Subject presents News It or Lose It. Welcome back to Drop the Subject. Allie, two out of three ain't bad. Uh, it's News It or Lose It time. What you got for mm-hmm. us? All right. Homework. You had to do it. I had to do it. Ugh. And apparently it did nothing for us. <laughs> so That's so crazy to believe. Okay. Here, yeah. I mean, usually... Kids, they still have homework. It usually involves about 30 minutes of child wrangling and, you know, patience testing, which is usually a five day day a week deal. Did you ever have, did you have weekend homework? Um, I don't think I had a lot of weekend homework or just, that was probably homework I was supposed to have already done, but didn't. Yeah. Oh, you were not good case. at doing your homework. I was not a homework person. I hated it. Oh. Yeah. I was always really good with extracurricular activities, academics. I was like, huh. Eh. Well, uh, there's been a lot of research and debate on the academic value of homework for school-aged children, and the uh, the results genu- generally conclude that homework provides no advantage. Really? No advantage for kids in elementary grades. So as they get older, there are some potential benefits of homework, but much less than you would probably think. Well, there's a lot of debate about 
if kids have too much homework, if it's too hard, like the parents don't know what the hell their kids are doing with this new math. Yeah, like, the new you know math is BS. Like, I, I do wonder like how helpful it is. But I do feel like homework was probably helpful with testing, but that's a whole other conversation, right? They I say don't... that we have we our education system is set up about kids learning how to take a test or being prepared for testing and not actually being prepared for life. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you think about the things we learned in school, how much of them do we actually use? Absolutely. I've literally never had to use, like, trigonometry. I mean, well, no. I mean, Exactly. It's like, why am I taking this? <laughs> you mean you haven't used sine? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, come on. This is something that no one's ever going to use. Yeah. Well, you know what? When someone asks you what the diameter of a rhombus is, you're now mm-hmm. you're going to be kicking yourself. No, I'm totally ready for that question. <laughs> well, I had to do a lot of homework ton and I had to write essays I mean there was a lot of stuff I had to do and it sucks that I mean as much as I wouldn't wish that on any child I'm a little jealous that I had to do all this crap and then kids you know like the kid I have probably won't have to do this stuff well if it was ineffective then what's the use of it well, I mean, teaching a kid that they have to do work. That's just revenge. I mean, <laughs> occupying them with something other than Teletubbies. Fair. Okay. Speaking of kids, this is another child-related story, because mm-hmm. uh, we're very kid-friendly here on Drop the Subject. If you, want your ki- <laughs> if you want your kid to eat healthier, they should watch certain cooking shows. Which cooking shows, Jared, do you think they should not be watching? Oh, uh, the competition shows. <laughs> I don't think that's going to help kids want to want to eat food. I feel like the instructional shows are probably really good for that. Mm. I would say anything that involves Paula Deen. Yikes. Probably not good for several reasons, health-related yeah. and other. I was going to say, black folks ain't been messing with Paula Deen for a minute, <laughs> but that's fine. Uh, the Great British Bake Off seems like a wholesome show, but probably not great for health reasons, well, right? I, the reason I think the competitive shows aren't as good for kids, I'm, again, I'm guessing, I don't know what the answer is here, but I'm guessing because like the instructional shows focus more on the food as opposed to the instructional shows, I mean, the co- competition shows focus more on like the competitive nature of like trying to cook in a certain amount of time mm. and stuff like that uh well there there are a few answers here so there are more kids relate like kid friendly cooking shows than there have ever been and they're actually developing more so one example that they use is there's a a dutch tv show that's designed for children uh but in america there's one called um good eats and that's featuring alton brown And that explores, you know, the science and technique that's behind cooking familiar dishes that can be made at home. So it's more home related meals. I loved that show when I was younger. It's so good. And then the Kids Baking Championship. That is a competition show, but it's a competition show for children. I've said here on this show before, I hate child prodigies. Um, And like, if you watch Child Baking Show. I love that you use the word hate. I hate Child Prodigies. Stupid talent kids. Producer Jesse's nodding along with me, so I'm not alone in this. But like, (laughs) and it's not even like I think they're awful. It's more about being like, I am not that great. I wasn't that good as a kid. Like, I hate these kids because they're so amazing. Yeah. Well, and when I watch, I mean, not that I really watch those cooking shows, but to think how stressed those children are. Well, like, when you're like seven and you're like, oh, I didn't make the ratatouille the way I was supposed to. I'm going to get voted off. I remember watching a show and this kid was like, oh, well, they didn't have any herbs to Provence, so I didn't know what I was going to do. And I was like, what the hell did you yeah. just say? And I looked up herbs to Provence and now it's in my cabinet. <laughs> Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject is back. Now, Allie, 
You have been working on bets and all that kind of stuff around the Super Bowl, I think. And I have not made decisions on my bets yet, but yes, I'm starting to investigate. Time and is almost up. Yes, and so I kind of inadvertently stumbled across a Trump around okay. in my Super Bowl betting investigation. Oh, so then let's Trump around. So what I found interesting is there are always a number of prop bets that you can place for the Super Bowl. What color the Gatorade's going to be. Okay, I was going to say prop bet. I don't know what that means. Uh, so there's the regular bets, like who's going to win, right. what the point spread is, who's going to score the first touchdown, all that stuff. Prop bets are like bets on really dumb things. Okay. Uh, for example, how how many minutes and seconds long is the national anthem going to be? Oh. The over-under for that would be like you know two minutes and 42 seconds or something. And then you can look oh, up who's going to see... Yeah, we can we can place some bets on okay. fr- uh, tomorrow. Um, so there are some bets that are like, what color is the Kool Aid gonna or the Gatorade gonna be at the end when oh. they pour it over the winning team? Uh, how long is the halftime show gonna be? What's the first song in the halftime sh- show? Are they gonna mend? Are they like how long? How many times are they gonna show the Golden Gate Bridge? Things like that. Right. Okay. So there are several prop bets that are Trump related, and I figured we could go through some. <laughs> okay. Okay. So. Will the president uh, will the president congratulate the winning team on Twitter? Uh, if you were to bet yes, that's a one to four ratio. So if you bet, uh, hold on. If you bet, I feel like if it's Kansas City, maybe, but the San Francisco probably not. Absolutely not. And if you think that San Francisco is going to win, then you'd probably want to bet no. Which you won't get as much money for that. It's a three to one ratio. So if you bet three hundred dollars, you only win a hundred. Okay. Will President Trump predict a winner before kickoff? No. That's a yes, seven to one, and no, one to fourteen. So maybe you will want to bet on that. Okay. Will President Trump tweet during the game? That's a pretty even. Yeah. So that's a six to five ratio. So again, if you bet six hundred dollars, you'll get five hundred back. Okay. No is two to three. That's that's the ratio there. Okay. Will Donald Trump's commercial say Super Bowl? Now this is an interesting one because it is actually Um, illegal to say the words Super Bowl in a commercial or a promotional video. But we all know that doing things that are illegal has never stopped him. Um, I would say no. Because they want to, usually Super Bowl ads run longer than the Super Bowl because they spend so much money on them. Yeah. So I would think not. Uh, yeah, that's a one to ten ratio, which seems crazy. That's a good bet. Then you want to definitely place that one. Okay. Now here's a couple of Bloomberg ones, just to cap it all off. Uh oh. Will Michael Bloomberg commercials say climate change? Um, I would say yes. Yes is a two to one ratio. So you bet two hundred, you get a hundred back. Okay. No is two to three. So if you bet two hundred, you get three hundred back. And then finally, will Michael Bloomberg's commercial say impeach? Oh. Um I would say no. Wow. I think, okay. I think if Tom Steyer runs ads, he might. But mm-hmm. I don't think Bloomberg is going to talk mm-hmm. about impeachment. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, we'll give you a four to one ratio. No is one to five. So 100 bucks will get you 500 bucks if you want to place oh that God. bet. I actually need to do these. Yeah. Are there any specific ones you want to place? Um, Let's talk about that in the commercial. Break. Okay, let's do it. All we'll right. be right back. <laughs> Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Okay, drop the subject with Allie and Jarrett. A little bit later in the show, we'll be joined by Nurse Alice, our lovely friend and uh, confidant. She's an expert on all things 
uh, health and wellness related. Yes. And uh, so we're going to be talking to her, I believe. She's she's going to give us a bit of an update on the coronavirus because people are like freaking out about that. We talked about it um, obviously last week, but it's continuing to grow. There's been the first person to person communication of the disease. So um, she's going to update us on that. And she has some other cool things that she's going to talk yeah, about. Yeah. And there, well. we have to talk about that cruise ship. Oh, with the 7,000 people yes, on it. Yeah, that's, because of the coronavirus. Yikes, Crazy yeah. stuff. Um, but we also wanted to give you a bit of an update on Kobe Bryant's family, because I know that over the past week, you know, everyone's been just mourning the loss of Kobe Bryant and Gianna and all the other people who lost their lives in the helicopter crash on Sunday. And I mean, it's been, I just know for myself going home yesterday was the first time the roads were open. Mm. Um, but I imagine they're still up there doing, they're going to be up there investigating for quite some time. And a lot of people have been wondering what's, uh, you know, what Vanessa Bryant, his wife, is going to say. And for the first time, she has, uh, you know, quote unquote, broken her silence, which is a term that I hate for a lot of reasons. But she had a really emotional Instagram post. There's a picture of her and, I mean, the entire family, which is, I mean, already makes you cry before you even read what she uh, wrote. And she has quite a long Instagram post. We won't read all of it, Mm -hmm. but she just says, my girls and I want to thank the millions of people who've shown support and love during this horrific time. Thank you for all the prayers. We definitely need them. We are completely devastated by the sudden loss of my adoring husband, Kobe, the amazing father of our children, and my beautiful, sweet Gianna, a loving, thoughtful, and wonderful daughter, an amazing sister to Natalia, Bianca, and Capri. She went on to say, we are also devastated for the families who lost their loved ones on Sunday and we shared their grief in- intimately. She said, there aren't enough words to describe our pain right now. I take comfort in knowing that Kobe and Gigi both knew that they were so deeply loved. We are so incredibly blessed to have them in our lives. I wish they were here with us forever. Uh, they were our beautiful blessings taken from us too soon. At the end, she does say, to honor um, the Team Mamba family, which is obviously... Um, uh, Kobe's nickname and like the community that they've built and the Mamba Sports uh, Foundation um, has set up the Mamba on 3 fund to help support the other families affected by this tragedy to donate please go to mambaon3.org that's mambaon3three.org um, to you know kind of continue to support those families because they are all you know so devastated and I think finally hearing something from her um, I I remember thinking, like, I don't know how I'd be able to do anything. So, like, I don't know how you'd be able to post anything or write anything. I think about LeBron James's post going, I'm not ready, but here I go. Yeah. yeah. And I can't imagine, like, and I, I wonder how that feels to be in a position where you are in the spotlight, people are all looking to you for what you're going to say about something so tragic. And I can't imagine what's going through your head of what can I possibly say? And why do I have to say anything? Yeah. I think I I would imagine, I would hope that she's, got someone on her team that was able to, you know, put something together and I like, would hope so. take her thoughts and kind of put them together. But then how do you write together. that draft? Yeah, no, I mean, it's got to be incredibly difficult. It's taken, obviously, uh, a solid three days to, to be able to say something, which, again, is faster than I probably would be able to say something. Um, so, you know, I... I, I cannot imagine what she and all of these families are going through right now. So um, our our love and prayers going out to Vanessa, the Bryant family, the Altabella family, the mm. uh, I, I tr- the second, the last name yeah. um, it's just, it's escapes me, but to all of the families um, that were affected by this. But that guy, the, the one that uh, I think it's Matthews is their last name. I have to look it up. But the husband mm-hmm. that we, we played his audio earlier in the week. 
he was speaking out very immediately. Mm -hmm. It was like a day or two after the crash had happened. And I wonder what that must feel like to to get that news and then to decide, no, I want to go on the record now and speak now. It's just really interesting to think about how people deal with grief. And if they go into a reclusive state, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to be in the spotlight at all versus I want to talk about my wife right now. And I want people to know the life that she lived. I would imagine for the people who are not Kobe Bryant and Gigi and their family, um, I, I would imagine that there's probably some kind of feeling of like, hey, there were other people involved in this too, and I want to make sure that their names get spoken and their their legacies get remembered. Absolutely. Um, and I, I've, I'm friends with various different families who have um, lost someone traumatically in the spotlight, and every one of those families seems to have like one person who's like a really great spokesperson for the family who, whether they were killed in an interaction with the police or they were murdered in some kind of tragic way, like Mm. there's always someone in the family who is like, who is able to like pull something together to say. And uh, it's, it's always really tragic and hard to see um, people going through that kind of grief. But um, you know, gratefully uh, Vanessa has been able to come out and say something um, to, cause I think so many of us have been so concerned about her and continue to be. Well, yeah, that's a lot of people's first reaction is, Oh my God, I can't imagine what Vanessa's feeling right now. I can't believe that woman has lost her father, her, her husband and her daughter in the same day and has to care for three children including one of which is a baby. Right. Yeah. No, that's the, they have a seven month old baby that doesn't have a father or an older sister now. So um, again, uh, um, Vanessa encourages folks to go to Mamba on three.org. That's Mamba on T H R E E.org. Um, and to further Kobe and Gianni's legacy in youth sports, please visit Mamba sports foundation.org. We will take a quick break. We will come back in just a moment. We're going to talk to the president of SAG-AFTRA uh, in just a few minutes about the brand new intimacy coordinators that are being added to sets. Um, and, and, in the wake of the Me Too movement and how that's um, really making sets a safer place for women and everyone uh, that's coming up. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. All right, drop the subject with Jarrett and Allie. Is the impeachment process over or is it almost over? That is no. what we're... <laughs> we've got another... The groundhog saw his own shadow, so we've got another six weeks of impeachment. Is that what, is that what we're learning? No, no. Um, <laughs> it, we are kind of in an interesting space right now of figuring out what's going to happen next. Um, we are continuing with the uh, questions period of the impeachment trial where uh, senators are writing questions. Um, this is the second day of that. Writing questions and submitting them to the chief justice. The chief justice will then read them. Um, it's gotten a little interesting in a couple of different places here. Number one, uh, there was an instance where uh, Chief John Roberts had to shoot down basically an attempt to out the whistleblower. You know, Republicans have been (laughs) feverishly trying to out the whistleblower as if that person's identity even matters anymore. And they say non-whistleblower whistleblower, Jared. Well, because that's also what thing that they've been saying uh, about an hour Not ago. sure what that means. About an hour ago, CNN reported that uh, Chief Justice John Roberts had shot down Senator Rand Paul's question on the Senate floor because it named the alleged Ukraine whistleblower, which is kind of outrageous. Um, and, and so the question here that CNN is posing is, is it a crime to out a government whistleblower? And it turns out the answer isn't as simple as it may seem. They say of course it de- it's not. Exactly. They say it depends on who does the unmasking and the circumstances surrounding it. So, um, Kind of was it Nick Cannon? It's probably not Nick Cannon. Uh-huh. I'm not positive. He's I don't want to. I don't want to do that. But uh, it 
may not have been Nick Cannon. Um, but he has great shoes, so I'd forgive him. Well, yeah, and he's not ugly either. Nick Cannon <laughs> could get it. Um, and then uh, the other part of this that's interesting is that we could seemingly see a vote today on witnesses. And if there is no vote, if there's a vote that uh, says no on witnesses, it's that's basically much, the ball game. Right, because there's nothing else to... F- to do right. if they are not hearing witnesses. But if, so they would seemingly vote on that before the day's end. Mm-hmm. And if they vote to say, yes, let's hear some witnesses, it's going to drag on for a lot longer because then they have to figure out which witnesses and when and all that crap, right? Yes. And uh, I mean, we again, we don't know the <laughs> Rachel Maddow references uh, impeachment as a wild animal. You just don't know what it's going to do. And we've kind of seen that happening um, over in, in the last couple of uh, days and weeks here. So we would assume that's how that would go. Um, however, even more interesting, uh, kind of in that same vein of things uh, being unpredictable, um, we remember about a week and a half ago, Lev Parnas came out with those statements talking about uh, Rudy Giuliani and uh, other people that he was implicating. Well, last night, um, Lev Parnas was talking again. Uh, this headline coming from Salon.com says, Indicted Rudy Giuliani associate Lev Parnas directly implicates Lindsey Graham in Ukraine scandal. Oh, he threw Lindsey in the mix. Which is just rich. delicious. Just it's, rich They stuff. say Lev Parnas um, uh, told CNN's Anderson Cooper that Graham has a personal interest in keeping witness testimony out of Donald Trump's impeachment trial. He said, quote, Senator Lindsey Graham and I Uh, Senator Lindsey Graham, I haven't had any contact with, but because of my relationship with Rudy Giuliani, I have a lot of information about his dealings. It was surreal to watch Lindsey Graham up there sitting there. He's out here talking about all of this stuff. This is a sham that this should go away. So I'm I'm curious to see what Mm -hmm. happens with Lev Parnas. kind of surprised that he's still alive considering um, I've watched a lot of House of Cards. I was thinking that too. As soon as he was like doing his interview with Rachel Maddow and all that was coming up, I was like, oh, okay, this guy's days are numbered. I mean, all jokes aside, he did say he was doing this because he was scared, right? Like, well, yeah, scared of the that's Department. true. But good thing he didn't do anything wrong to Kevin Spacey. For the record, Lindsey Graham has tweeted a couple of times uh, this morning. Um, he's, this morning, his first tweet was, of all the insane things being said about this impeachment debacle, um, and there is a lot to choose from. One of the most ridiculous things is to say Senate Republicans are, quote, blocking witnesses. This is an outrageous claim. The funny part of that is Senate Republicans are blocking witnesses. So um, he yeah. hasn't he hasn't said anything about this specifically that I'm seeing, but it's uh, it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, it's kind of funny that they are going on the record and saying there's there, we're not stopping you. Yeah. We're not stopping from the witnesses. Fine. Let's, do we want to vote to stop? Well, here's yes. the, Got does it. Anyone, does, okay, I have to vote now. Yes, I will stop. I the will witnesses. stop. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. I mean, I, I was talking to you guys a couple of days ago about like watching, you know, paying attention to their actions and not necessarily um, what they're talking about because realistically, we see this happen with Donald Trump all the time. They say that they want to do one thing and they do another thing. This is happening with healthcare right now in a massive way that they're trying to strike down healthcare, but they are continuing to talk about how they want to support. Americans across the country and all that um, but they're fighting Obamacare tooth and nail um, in courts and so like this is something that is a Republican tactic and specifically with Donald Trump um, of saying that they want one thing and going for another so well I think that it's one thing to poo-poo this what's currently in place and it's another to poo-poo it and also have no alternative absolutely to be like that's stupid well then yeah. what's the alternative there yeah. is no one you're ugly 
Yeah. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> um, okay. Well, uh, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, Nurse Alice is going to join us because just in the last few minutes here, um, the World Health Organization has declared a global health emergency because of the coronavirus. I'm going to have her help us to understand exactly what that means and a few other things. Drop the subjects coming right back. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Nurse Alice, always welcome in the studio. Hi, Nurse Alice. We love you so much. Hello. I love you guys, too. (laughs) (laughs) We're very excited to have you here because we have this breaking headline that actually just came out within uh, the last half hour, I would say, um, that uh, the... The World Health Organization has now declared uh, coronavirus to be a global public health emergency. They say cases have been documented in 18 countries beyond China. Um, They say, well, nearly 99% of the over, it's nearly 8,000 diagnoses have been limited to China. Other cases have been diagnosed in 18 other countries, as we were saying. Um, And a growing number of countries are reporting limited person-to-person spread of the virus. The World Health Organization's director general um, said that the declaration is not a vote of no confidence in China, which has been widely praised for its transparency and work to control the outbreak. This is like, this makes it seem a little bit more scary. And I don't know what this means in practical application. When there's something that's declared like this, what does that even mean? Well, um, I'll say this to be declared a world, a public health world emergency is big. Mm-hmm. It's really huge. And part of what pulls that trigger is the fact that we're having large amounts of people um, infected, not just in particular communities, but it's spreading worldwide. And the concern is what happens when this virus spreads to communities and countries that aren't as equipped? Mm. For example, like how we are here in the United States with the medications, oh, resources, it can, wipe them out. Yes, it can wipe out their total population. They'll, you know, sometimes they're, you know, they don't have the medications, the treatments, the surveillance. And so that really means a lot. So when we when they declare a public health emergency, it really kicks in a lot of resources and attention to the matter, too. And I'm just going to go ahead and say this. We're at a point where I don't know that we're really going to be able to contain this anymore. It's Mm. more of a matter of trying to control it and suppress what's what's happening. What's the difference between containing and controlling? Containing is preventing further spread of uh, the virus to other areas, but we're already having beyond China, it's spread to other countries, right. and now we're having human to human spread. So, mm-hmm. for example, we just had the first U.S. human to human spread. So, I and think how was, did they spread it? Right. So, I think it was the second uh, woman. It was mm-hmm. the second person in Chicago mm-hmm. who came back from Wuhan. She's actually now spread it to her husband. Mm. So. There's, you know, so they're in close, close quarters, close contact. You know, if I sneeze hard enough, Allie and I had it, I could probably give it to you. Okay, so this is my next question, because there's somebody in this damn building (laughs) who was in Wuhan recently. Wait, before we before we do that, because you were saying contain and control. There's two differences. And I wanted to make sure that we could say what those two different things were. Right. So containing is preventing it from uh, from growing in numbers, from spreading to other regions, other areas and having more people infected. Now, controlling and suppressing it. It's a virus. So Mm -hmm. that's thing is it's going to run its course okay uh, viruses don't live forever in the human host it's gonna it's gonna run its course so keeping those people um you know treating those people and hopefully letting the virus just kind of run its course and yeah. go away so controlling it so it's not um mute and also so that doesn't mutate and other things interesting okay yeah all right so okay if, so if there is someone that so you're concerned if, about yeah, having. so there's someone right down the hall i'm not going to name any names right now but she was talking about how she's been sick ever since she got back from Wuhan. 
and she well was... no she she had a layover in Wuhan okay she was in another country all right she was in another country on vacation came through Wuhan but she definitely has this fire I'm she, kidding no, she, she d- <laughs> but she doesn't she doesn't ex- explicitly said she hasn't said she has coronavirus but she has said she's been sick all week how possible is it that she has it and if she does have it how can we not get it okay so not to scare anyone but it's possible she could have it ah! let's just I'm just gonna remind people there are um, let's see seven strains of the coronavirus four of them we've probably all had because they're like the common cold type of thing mm-hmm. now it's three of them that are concerning so that was our SARS right mm-hmm. big alarms um, and then after that we had like middle uh, MERS is what they're calling it and then we have this one now the thing about coronavirus is you don't always have to have a fever so that's one of the problems that's been happening with these mm. airport checks. So it doesn't always present with a fever, but it's cough, cold, literally the same symptoms as a cold. Yes, and so what I feel like we were saying last week, like flu-like symptoms are the symptoms of everything. Yeah, <laughs> it's like are. if you're having a fever, then you could have absolutely nothing or you could die right you now. You could have everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's scary. So, okay, so, okay. So for anyone that is out here listening right now, like most of us have not come in, the vast majority of people <clears throat> have not come in contact with someone who has this oh. virus. But like, what should we be thinking about? What we should we be concerned about? Okay, so you raise a good point. So if you're not, if you haven't been exposed to, haven't been to China or uh, any of these other countries where the virus is, or you know, in close quarters with someone, then you probably do have a cold or a fever. Mm-hmm. But you want to be careful if someone you want stay away from sick people Mm -hmm. you literally do because we don't know it's the coronavirus until you go to the hospital and actually get tested so Mm -hmm. there's some delay but from symptoms to actually confirming that it is this uh novel coronavirus 2019 Mm -hmm. and are we supposed to be wearing those little masks and if so how do we get them because they're they're sold out everywhere so can you nurse alice hook us up with some masks and maybe some for our listeners you know i got some in my trunk i I got you man the trunk. I All got right. it. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I am super interested in this story about Aaron Hernandez because, again, someone who is not ugly couldn't get it because he's dead, but he's <laughs> very handsome. Um, he is. Sorry, was that too much? Was that over the line? No, that uh, was just right. We're going to talk about this new documentary on Netflix called The Mind of Aaron Hernandez. And uh, Nurse Alice has some interesting questions. That was really funny to you. <laughs> he couldn't uh, get it because he's dead. Because he's dead. All right. Uh, that's coming up next. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. All right, Drop the Subject with Jarrett and Allie. And we're here, of course, on Thursdays, joined by Nurse Alice in studio. Just got a great update on the coronavirus and whether we should be panicking by a person who's in our building who recently went to Wuhan. And you uh, still are panicking. Still so panicking. Uh, if you missed that, please download the podcast, drop the subject wherever you find your podcast. Now we move on to Aaron Hernandez, a guy that is freshly on people's minds now after the docuseries came out. I know I binge watched it. Um, and a lot of people are talking about what caused him to do what he did, uh, to murder Odin Lloyd, to murder those other two people uh, in in that um, drive-by shooting in Florida earlier before he got into professional football. Everyone's talking CTE or sexuality. So we wanted to break it down with you, Nurse Alice. Um you know, CTE is something that gets brought up a lot, uh, especially recently and rightly so. And the NFL is trying to change some of the regulations as a result of studies that have been coming out. But Aaron Hernandez specifically, they said they looked at his brain and they were like, this is really bad. I mean, especially for how short of a time he played and how young he was. They said it's it was very his the CTE seemed to be very, very progressive within his brain. What? 
Can you first of all explain yeah. what CTE is? Yeah, what, explain what, is what it is and kind of what all this means. Right. So CTE is the chronic traumatic encephalopathy. So basically, it's a term used to describe um, degeneration of the brain, which is uh, caused by repeated brain or head injuries. So uh, we've been seeing and hearing a lot about concussions with the NFL, so that can lead to it. Even boxers, mm-hmm. uh, people in contact sports, and even military personnel who are exposed to very loud, explosive sounds. So that repeated head and brain trauma is what can lead to CTE. We remember Will Smith did a movie um, yeah, uh, on the NFL con- called yeah, Concussion. Yeah, that was a good movie. I, I'm the only other person I know that loved that movie. Everyone always pans it, but I thought it was so good. But I think people people just thought, thought it was slow. But I thought it was an imp- There are some movies it's that are a, slow, and you're like, this is still a good a movie really to watch. Story, yeah. yeah. So um, there's, uh, there, I, I didn't even realize that they were like confirmed that he had CTE. But like, what does that end up translating to for how that... Um, maybe it may have impacted his behavior and then his outcome. Yeah, so the, one of the unfortunate things about confirming a diagnosis of CTE is o- we can only do it after you've died mm-hmm. and we've actually looked at your brain. So prior to that, we can only um, suspect or that you might have CTE based on uh, one, if you have, if, you know, at risk for any for CTE because of maybe you play football, you're in a contact sport, those type of things, and then also some of your behavior. So um, the CTE. And we'll look at Aaron Hernandez. It, what the part of his brain that was mostly um, impacted was the front of his brain, and I like mm-hmm. to think of the front of love as the mom. This is the you know mom. Yeah, that could, seems like, like an important part it of your is, brain. It is. So you're very impulsive when you have issues going with your frontal lobe. So if someone's impulsive, you say, "Did you have a frontal lobe injury?" No, mm-hmm. but I'm saying so. <laughs> So Aaron had impulsive uh, behavior. He had problems with decision making. He was very aggressive. He was emotionally volatile, rage. So when someone presents with those type of symptoms, um, and perhaps they are in a contact sport, I think we need to do better at trying to put the two together. Not that we're going to blame everything on CTE, right. but I but think it's a factor. Absolutely, and I think that's one of the things that's hard to uh, suspect because we don't think of that right away. Because for one, we can't look at your brain until you're dead, but we can do other things. Um, you know, someone can speak to a counselor. We can do some mental health evaluations. Um, And then as well, we can also do a CT or MRI of your brain to see if the brain has shrunken or if there's any other changes that we can see. So things that we don't do. And we learned a lot about this from the NFL. Um, They did, you know, these studies on concussions. And they have some really good information, but I don't think it's really been shared with the public as as well as it could be. And, I mean, I know from the many... Uh, you know, true crime documentaries I've watched, a lot of uh, trends within serial killers is frontal lobe damage due to a fall or some kind of a brain injury when they're younger. But then also, some people in the docuseries framed his aggression as possibly due to concealing his sexuality. And that's a whole different part of the docuseries where it's like, did, was it just because he was suppressing his sexuality? Which a lot of people have a problem with. But you know, what What do we know about that as far as, you know, it seems like there was evidence that he was sexually abused as a child and that maybe he was concealing his sexuality. And does it even matter? Well, I... Th- well, I'll say this. Those two things, what you just spoke of, are very important. And those are things that people should be able to, if they you know, need help and talk to, talk to people. And, you know, so they're not they don't feel like they're having to hide their identity or suppress any type of trauma, because that can be very detrimental and really kind of change the course of the brain. And especially at such a young age. So in the documentary, yes, it said that he, he was uh, molested and, you know, his sexuality came up. And I think those I think that no one should ever have to feel 
feel like they should have to hide those traumas and that we should have more resources, mental health resources where people feel safe to talk about their feelings because we don't know exactly how much that played a role, but I think we can speak pretty confidently that it played some type of role. Sometimes, yeah. Yes. Nurse Alice, always love to have you here. This is my last time with you here on the show, but you know I love you and I will continue to see you outside of the show, but I'll tell people where they can find out more information about you and what you're doing. Yes, I am on all social media social media handles um, at Ask Nurse Alice and my website is AskNurseAlice.com so please follow me say hey ask me a question I'd love to talk to y'all awesome we're going to take a quick break I told you a little bit earlier we're going to talk to the president of SAG-AFTRA about what exactly is happening on movie sets and the new intimacy coordinators and how they are making sets a little bit safer for actors and everyone involved that's going to be up next don't go drop the subject the new channel Q welcome back to drop the subject I'm Jared that is Allie we are getting into a conversation because just recently um, I heard on a, a conversation on uh, THR there was a, a roundtable of actresses and they're talking about intimacy coordinators and I had never heard of this and then Ali came in talking about intimacy coordinators and we were really really fascinated by this so we wanted to bring in someone from SAG-AFTRA to be able to talk to us and we got we got pretty lucky. We lucked out. Yeah. We went about as high as we possibly could. Uh, we have president of uh, SAG-AFTRA. Her name is Gabrielle Carteris, and she's the national executive director. Um, excuse me. She's the president of uh, SAG-AFTRA. Newly reelected. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. really excited to have you joining us to be able to talk to us about this. So thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, you guys. It's of course. a very exciting topic, actually. So thank Absolutely. You. So can you explain to us how this came about and um, what exactly an intimacy coordinator is? Well, first of all, intimacy coordinators, they are people who actually help to work with the director to realize the, uh, the story that they're trying to tell, working with the actors in terms of they're like a choreographer, a movement coach to actually help realize the director's vision, but keep safety for the actors when they're performing scenes that are hyper exposed. So, so this is something, look, I've been an actor for over 35 years, almost something that never existed for us when I first was doing 90210 many years ago. But uh, it's something, intimacy coordinators are something that have existed on stage for quite a while. And really with, um, you know, with all of the the advent of um, the industry in terms of television and film, how it's expanding so quickly, we're seeing more and more hyperexposed work. I mean, for you guys, you know, all of us, we're seeing things on screen now at home that we never would have been able to see before. So sexually explicit or really, you know, sensitive. And um, so really the uh, intimacy coordinator is there to help to protect the performers when they're working because they're so vulnerable to make sure that um, that they actually feel safe on the set when they're working in these scenes, that there's communication going on to actualize the storyline so that they can be really creative instead of feeling afraid and, um, you know, nervous. It's, it's a very difficult thing to do the, to be so vulnerable on set and to do that hyper-exposed work without any kind of structure around it. Yeah, so the is there a regulation specifically for closing a set when nudity and sexual situations are involved? Because I remember I was on a set one time where there was nudity, and they had a policy mm-hmm. of no phones, you know, closed set, there's not anybody right. walking around. But I, I knew that that was something that they had chosen, and I knew that that wasn't necessarily mandatory. Is that going to change? Well, Has it already changed? Yeah. In our contracts, in SAG-AFTRA's contracts, when you're working on our contracts, it is mandatory to be able to have a closed set when you're having those uh, types 
vaccines being put forward. And that should happen automatically. And if it doesn't, one of the things that we've really learned is, though we have certain things in our contracts, some members weren't aware of it. So we've been doing a we've been very vigilant about um, really educating members so they understand their rights. But uh, it is inside of our contracts. It is something that you're allowed to have. And, and it's supposed to be a closed set. But that's not just the issue. It's not just a closed set. You know, it's also about having the proper garments, right? Protective garments. It's not, it's supposed to look like you're having intimate, you know, interaction. It's not meant to necessarily be intimate, uh, in, you know, fully the way you might actualize it in real life. And so that's really the intimacy coordinator's job also to help. They work with wardrobe, work with camera lights, they work with the director, they work with everybody to help realize what the scene is while making the person have everything available to them so they feel protected. And it's so important. Otherwise, it's just, it almost could become, without structure, it could become permission to do things that are really absolutely unacceptable and unnecessary for a scene. And we really have worked so closely with our members people within the industry and with the intimacy coordinators overall to make sure we can create a structure and protocol that people follow. So it's not just anybody saying I'm an intimacy coordinator, but there's a real structure to follow because we want to make sure again, that it doesn't only help the actors. It helps the production, the whole crew feel safer. They're not feeling like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm seeing this and there's nobody to help. They're, They're feeling safer and actually it's more efficient for the production. So it's, Overall, it's just a win-win. So most most people that are listening, that are watching films and television, have never been on a set. Can you kind of explain right. why this is something that um, that how this came up? Because this is something most of us probably never even heard of. But can you explain how, right. how you guys came up with this idea and the way that um, it, it works in practical application? Well, like I said, you know, it's been intimacy coordinators have been involved with theater for many many years, but for us. Um, we've had more and more members coming forward saying that, you know, that we really want to find a way to define something on set for television, particularly and film. Cause, uh, but there's so much, um, you know, film is, there's already been certain things that take place to help people when they're doing film, but um, there's no, there has never been anything, um, a standard that was set that was like a mandate for people who are doing this work on television and film. And so with really these last couple of years, with the what went on with Harvey Weinstein when our members came out and talked about the sexual assaults and harassment that's been taking place, not just off the set, but what was happening on the set, people were articulating to us in ways that had not really been articulated. For myself, you know, things that happened to me even as an actor before I got involved with union service I never thought of sharing that with anybody, right? Mm-hmm. It, I never thought of sharing it when, you know, a, a man went, and, you know, in a scene, went beyond what was written in the scene. And somehow I had to, like, buck up because I was afraid if I didn't, if I said something, that meant I wasn't being a, a good sport or I wasn't doing my work well, that mm-hmm. I had to be able to, you know, do what was presented so it was a great piece of storytelling. Well, we want great storytelling, but we don't want people to feel vulnerable like that. We don't want situations to occur where, you know, you cross a line. So this happened a couple of years ago. Clearly, it came out, you know, publicly. People started to feel more empowered to speak. They started sharing with the union in ways that had not been shared before. And we as, you know, members came together and started talking about how can we go and help to make it safe on set, you know, so that we're not seeing these sexual um 
violations taking place right. that people could feel really uh, protected and comforted. And so that was the conversation. We brought members together talking about it. We started talking to intimacy coordinators who had been very active in theater and were doing some television. And we brought them together from around the country to talk about, you know, how they envision this work being done. And we started talking with other industry leaders about, you know, from writers to directors about how they see it being utilized. And we, we talked about, we talked to everybody so we could create again, a kind of standard in an expectation of what we need to see on sets when there's hyper exposed work being done. And so this is an accumulation of several years of incredible work. Right. Well, Gabrielle, I just, we we are actually out of time, but I'm really really grateful Sorry. that you were able to come on and explain this. Don't so don't apologize. No, 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 this, this is, is all important. This is stuff. all really good. Yeah. Tell people where they can find out more about the Screen Actors Guild, uh, the SAG AFTRA specifically, if they're an actor anywhere in the country. Well, actually, anybody you know, you just go to SAGAFTRA.org and you'll see we have a website. You can see um, information about what we're about and what okay. we do to protect people. And you know, there's different contracts and how to work with us. And, you know, so you can reach out and there's also ways to write to us. You'll see that there's a, a place to go to to write to us if you have questions. Great. And we encourage we, people to participate. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, thank you Gabrielle. Thank you so much. we got to take a quick thank break. You. When we come back, Drop the Subject continues. Don't go anywhere. Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q. Whew, radio professionals <laughs> here. Welcome back. Um, so... Don't know if you heard, but I'm up out of here tomorrow. Oh. Tomorrow's my last show. And um, sorry, we're working on something for the next segment. And it's kind of has me with the giggles. And I'll explain that later mm-hmm. um, with my happy ending. But uh, we are going through what Allie has been calling Jarrett Hill light. Can you say it with some confidence, for God's Jar- sake? Jarrett Hill lights. Hold on. These are Jarrett Hill lights. Uh-huh. That works. Oh, well, I thought there was like sound. I can't see coming. the idiot grin on my yeah. face while I look at everyone else and they're looking at me like, cool. I think this is probably the most known, <laughs> yeah, most ridiculous moment that I've had on the show. Um, we do what we call live teases around here. We, If you've been listening to the show for a while, we included this in our most awkward moments, I think, um, of the year, mm-hmm. um, of the decade, actually. And uh, But it bared repeating. Yeah. So every day we we try and get in live teases that our live teases are where we are going into a song and there's a little bit of time at the top of the song for us to tell you something that's coming up in the next segment to, you know, let you know what's coming up so you can stay stay. Yeah, but they are live. They are live most of the time. Uh, well, they were live more than they were before this, because after that, we started taping a lot of them. Um, and they're also usually written now because That's, of this instance. That is true. Um, I don't even remember. Oh, Ali had a story about like hotels recording me- people in the hotel rooms or something. It was Yeah, it was about how in hotel rooms, they're putting robots on the side tables. Uh, so it was like, by your bedside, you may have a robot in your hotel room. And that yeah. was the story was about these robots. Well, I had to do a live tease with that. And... Uh, <laughs> This is this is the aftermath of that, and then you'll hear how that went awry. Hello, I'm Jared Hill, a radio <laughs> professional. Um, I don't know if you guys caught that, but uh, my live tease was a piece of work. Uh, Emmy, can we play that again? Yeah, we have to play it because if you're listening to the podcast, then you, you I don't think it. you yeah I don't think you hear the live teases that we do on the air. And Jared, Martha just Stewart is let... throwing shade at federal inmate named Felicity Huffman. And are you being watched by your bedside at a robot? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that. I want to hear so, it one more time. <laughs> 
it was it was pretty bad. Are you being watched by your bedside at a robot? So what happens? Because yesterday, yesterday I did a live tease, and like I was looking at your screen trying to read it because you're like, do you want to do this one? Oh yeah. And I actually did do it live, but like you know, if you're reading something out loud, you see the words coming up, and you're like. I don't think that's what that means. And it comes out and you're like, well, that was on the radio for everyone. Yeah. And then if you mess up, there's kind of no going back because it's time stamped, right? You only have 12 seconds or exactly. whatever it is. So you can't really go back and be like, I'm sorry, hold on. What I meant to say was, and then the music is just like, <laughs> you're frozen. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, well, that happened. And they're like, Da-da! And, and it bites because we're on a one minute delay, but you can't go back and grab it. I love yeah. that you said it bites. It just, it really does. It <laughs> really does. Um, and so that was a piece of, that was definitely a, a highlight of the last decade of the show. We've had some great highlights so far this week. We I, had you as Linda asking the Popeye's chicken sandwich guy to make the sandwich the official LGBT sandwich. Linda was completely unnecessary for mm-hmm. that story. I know. Yeah. I love that. Uh, we had your bitch, here I go. I mean, a classic moment in the history of radio. Yeah. What was the one we did on Tuesday? Um, that was... I don't remember that one now. It was An- something else anybody, ridiculous. Anybody, anybody, anybody. Nope. Yeah, no one's paying attention to What was the highlight on Tuesday? We did we did the Popeye chicken sandwich. We did this one just now. We, mm. Oh, Fudge Packer. Oh. Yes! Yeah. That Jared Hill was a Fudge Packer. How could I forget? I hate that Jesse definitely remembered that one. <laughs> He's like... Fudge packer. Fudge packer. You're a fudge packer. Fudge packer. You, well, you pack fudge. Well, I cannot wait for us to close it out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll have to do some digging and find the best, biggest hillite that I possibly can. Good luck can. with that. I think, we, I think we reached the apex here. <laughs> I think that's the one. Come on. We'll see. In the decade we've been on the air together? In the decade, I'm sure. Uh, we got to take a quick break. My happy ending has me a little bit nervous. I might rewrite it. We'll see. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. I have been really crushing the game today. I teased a story an hour early. Mm-hmm. I teased happy endings a segment early. This is definitely senioritis. Brain. I was just gonna say. I yeah. think you just you're 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 one one foot out the door, Jared. I, I'm it's totally senioritis brain. Okay, so I've got three headlines. Ali, you've got three votes, um, and uh, let's do this. Okay. Yep. Veteran falls over when he learns value of his $345 watch on Antiques Roadshow. Sure, it makes me jealous, but I know. It's, I'm a it's sadist. It's a wild one. And uh, Japan is going crazy over McDonald's r- new bun. <laughs> I almost gave away what it was. Uh, sorry, sure, I'll humor you. All right, and then the dictionary.com <laughs> word of the day is mizzle. Sure. Oh, you're just... I'm just giving it to you, man. You're just like, you're going to have to do all these right here. You're going to have to do them on the all fly. right here, right now. Okay, yes, because we also, <laughs> we we messed up and didn't do our teas early. So um, we're going to get right into this. Um, this man is a veteran. He was on Antiques Roadshow, and he'd had this Rolex watch that was, you know, a, a very old watch. He spent $345.95 for it uh, in 1974. However... Now, this watch is worth so much money that it knocked him over mm-hmm. when the Antiques Roadshow folks told him. Um, apparently, this watch uh, was a very popular, uh, was a, a, a was not very popular. It was There were very few of them. Um, and they said that Paul Newman actually had a very similar one. Um, and that in 1969 film Winning, um, it, that he had it in that film. Uh, and it auctioned for $200,000, which is like, 
Holy That's crap. That's already a lot. Exactly. Yeah. They told him his was actually worth more. Um, apparently, because of the watch's stellar condition and because the owner kept up all of its paperwork, the watch appraised at five hundred to seven hundred thousand dollars <laughs> you already have a bad arm watch I know, it there I can't, I can't do Pratt Falls right like, now I'm not well enough oh my gosh they say it may not fetch the same amount of money as Newman's famed Rolex uh, that sold for a record 17.8 million dollars because it was Paul Newman's um, but it's still a jaw-dropping amount of dough for something you spent less than 400 dollars on yeah now there's an idea though to buy something that's not worth a lot ask a celebrity to wear it for a couple weeks and then sell it not exactly sure how thrilled a celebrity would be okay, about that. Okay, so uh, I, I could give them a cut of it, but mm-hmm. I could just buy, say, this this Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. I could just buy this. But it's not rare. Okay, then I'll get a rarer watch. Okay. Okay, I'll go to Goodwill, find a rando watch. Okay. And then I'll go to Lady Gaga and be like, hey. Could you wear this for a couple days just... so I can make some bank? Yes. And she'll be like, sure, I'd be happy to do that. Yes, she would be. Mm-hmm. And then I'll give her like, 10% or 20%, whatever. We'll negotiate that later with the lawyers. But I can then sell it on eBay or whatever and say Lady Gaga wore this and then also have like some kind of a email from Lady Gaga hearing, saying, yes, I wore this. I'm hearing the Home Alone clip. Allie, you're what the French call les incompetents. <laughs> les incompetents. I'm thinking about yesterday with Drop the Subject. Wait, Jesse, you found out that... that Drop the subject would not be a drop the subject in Spanish. I mean, in, in French. <laughs> it wouldn't be that in Spanish either. What is it actually? Matière. That doesn't sound nearly as good as subject. Drop the matière. One more time, Jesse. What is, it would be drop the... Matière. That sounds whack. <laughs> well, also, she doesn't sound super excited about Exactly. It. I'm going to talk Metier. to the French people about changing it to subject. I mean, with, even when the translator speaks French, it, you just picture a cigarette in her mouth. She's just like, Metier. I can't be bothered. Bothered. I can't be bothered with your French translation is being... No, say, okay. drop the subject. Drop the subject. Subject. <laughs> drop the subject. You sound so unimpressed uh, with so life. They, the French accent. My eyes are closing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Japan is going crazy over McDonald's new burger because it's made of rice, according to CNN Business. I know, right? They say the rice burger bun, or the Gohan burger in Japanese, offers a new taste by changing the bun into a specially made rice bun while keeping the ingredients and seasonings of the classic burger um, all the same. They say the buns are made from homegrown rice and are glazed with a savory soy sauce that mm. McDonald's says will allow customer, consumers to enjoy the usual burger taste while enjoying the exquisite harmony of a new flavor stemming from an unexpected combination. Now, I'll tell you, I, I've been saying, like, I have, I've been working on this book about McDonald's, um, and I got to go to the Worldwide Convention, which, first of all, the Worldwide Convention... And the morning session, like the curtain goes down on the stage and it comes up and they're like, ladies and gentlemen, Mary J. Blige. Whoa. And like Mary J. Blige was right there. And Whoa. I was like, what the hell is going on? Oh like, my it was God. crazy. For McDonald's? The day before that, it was like, ladies and gentlemen, Pitbull. And like Pitbull's just performing. <laughs> and then like on the last night, they were like, ladies and gentlemen, Katy Perry. No and way. Katy Perry was there. And ladies and gentlemen, Steven Tyler. And Steven wow. Tyler, was, it was wild. <laughs> um, but one of the other cool things about it was they have McDonald's food for 
from around the world and they serve it all day and it's free. So like you go up to the, they have like whole McDonald's restaurants set up in this big auditorium and you go get in line and you can go taste the food from around the world. And like the McDonald's food from other countries is amazing. So yeah, that's what I was going to say too is that I went to McDonald's in a couple other countries. That's one of the more fun things about traveling is that mm-hmm. you can go to those chains and see how it's just a little bit different. Yeah. Like when I was in Amsterdam, they have like a falafel thing Mm -hmm. like they have different you know in the airports too my favorite one was i was in i think it was in montevideo uruguay when i was on the the cruise ship and i was traveling all around the world and i went to burger king and they had a whopper that the cheese was like a deep fried piece of cheese on the whopper (laughs) and like the translation in the spanish in spanish was like it'll break your mouth it was like the boca something i was like (laughs) It was so good. I was like, I need this every day. Okay. Dictionary.com word of the day is mizzle. Any idea? It's, nope. a, ver- it's a verb that means to rain in fine drops, drizzle or mist. Mist or drizzle is mizzle. Whoa. So it's a, it's a, a mashup word? It's a portmanteau. Oh my God. <laughs> Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject is back for one more segment. Uh-huh. Let me tell you. I would say that I was, I, I would blame it on alcohol because we had a meeting downstairs and they were like sharing, they had a full bar in the morning which is crazy and then well not a or full is bar it? or is it and then they or... were passing out champagne you and I neither one of us ate before we got down there because we thought there was going to be food there was food after but we're up here live on the air hangry hey, a little bit and so I'm like <laughs> I would blame it on being buzzed or, or like legit drunk like mm-hmm. you normally are but <laughs> I am like, not normally <laughs> drunk but I can't even claim that because it's not true like uh-uh. I, I didn't even get like a buzz from the the swig of champagne that I had. Um, I, I, it's just, it's got to be singeritis. And I don't even know what we were cheersing. We drank the champagne. We actually never toasted. We, yeah. No, yeah, we never toasted. We just kind of drank the champagne and walked away. Here at Intercom LA, we have a brand new sound space downstairs. It's like this beautiful like stage and uh, screens and all kinds of crazy down there that we've been waiting for for a while uh, to be here. But it's a, a very very cool space that we're super exciting uh, that we're super excited to have. And it's been a little overdue. It's been like a, a running joke in the building about uh, our about getting it open. Yes, so. and some of you who have been listening to the show since the beginning, you've heard some of the sounds. You have of it being built. If so. you've been listening for a long time, you've heard the construction sounds and the. So you've been on this journey now. with us, exactly. Yeah, and you know what? At first, during the meeting, I was a little peeved because they were giving a lot of sports analogies, and I was like, "This seems a little exclusive and not Channel Q friendly," and I feel like this is rude. And well, then they brought out the drag queen, and I was like, well, "Oh, there okay, we go. exactly." This is fine. Well, earlier we talked about like eliminating football talk in the office. Yes, <laughs> and the, they were like, "It's a like lot. a baseball diamond." I exactly. Was like, what? <laughs> exactly. This yeah. Be- um, okay, so uh, I have my happy ending. Let's hit it for happy endings. Um, we've been offering a, a producer Jesse here. We've been offering him the opportunity to opt out of the happy ending if he wanted to, and he's been like, he's been pretty game. Yep. I was like, we have this Avril Lavigne sound. If you want to use it, he was like, I'm not going to use it. Yeah, he was like, no, like that was a big insult. Exactly, he was like, I, I'm, I'm not, not going to do that. Avril, are did you say I, Avril Lavigne? I even what though am I, I a monster. <laughs> exactly. What am I a monster, <laughs> Jesse? What's your happy ending? So I may not have a beard and be able to, to like get someone's name on it, uh-huh. but it doesn't mean I can't get their name tattooed. That's oh, true. Okay. That's true. It's definitely go. a little more permanent, so I would have a filtration process I mean, before we make those say, choices. On your face. Just carve it out? You gotta, Cross it out. Oh. <laughs> oh I you, you gotta really like, like the person if you're gonna get them tattooed on the face. Oh, it's no, very post Maloney. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, if you're gonna do it, do it. 
Like, commit to it. If you're in love, be in love. No, this is actually good because if you get someone's tattoo, someone's name tattooed on your face, and then you hate that person, all you have to do is grow a beard. You could, and you get rid of it. You're twenty. Five. Five? And yeah. you can't grow any facial hair yet? I mean, it, I just look like a bum, like a hobo. It's gotcha. Okay. Oh, it's like all patchy? Yeah. All right. Oh, okay. Well, you should definitely grow that out then. You you and Allie have very similar situations hey, going facial on. Facial hair patterns, yeah, yeah. you're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm saying you have like a shaved face. Never mind. That's not what I meant. Never. Once you're happy ending. Um, okay. It may suck that... You know what? I'm nervous about mine. Go ahead. You okay. go first. I might change it. Um... Sure, the coronavirus is spreading. It is now a state of emergency, according to the World Health Organization. That's a real bummer. You should make sure that you get one of those masks. But on the bright side, Ryan Reynolds can get it because oh. he's alive. You know what? I <laughs> producer and Jesse Aaron doesn't, Hernandez could not get it. Producer Jesse doesn't get dead. why that's why that's a bad here on the show. Whenever I didn't have. A happy ending. I'd either start my happy ending with Donald Trump may still be president, or I would end whatever crap I came up with. But Ryan Reynolds could get it, right? But then you said that you know Aaron Hernandez can't get it. Well, that is a great segue into <laughs> my are... potentially problematic Ooh, uh, happy I'm ending. So excited! It may suck that Aaron Hernandez is dead because <laughs> he's so fine, or or was so fine. But at least he's not out here killing bitches. No, <laughs> for real, for real. I'm totally into hockey players now, so Aaron Hernandez is dead to me. Oh, actually, actually, he's, he's actually dead to everyone. Dead. Oh my God. That's also a problem, but he's a murderer, so I think it's okay. You know, we should go. Exactly. All right, Jared Hillites is this tomorrow. We'll see you then. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q.